The book we talk today's daf is daf pei vaving subas. We're at the tenth line down on the page. Amar Meimer, man didon dina de gami. It's a famous machlokus in Babakama. Are you responsible for indirect damages? So the one who says you are high for indirect damages, malya. The issue we were talking about yesterday was where the malva lent the lova money, and then the malva sold that document, sold that IOU to a third party, to a lokeach, and then the malva forgave the loan. So we said that's valid. That's valid. Not only that, but the, the heir could also do it. Yeah, well, that's right. It's because he still has, it's still written in his name. It says Reuben lent the money to Shimon. So that's the machlokus over here. The one who says he caused them indirect damages, your for even though it's indirect, so because the loan written out that he owes the money to Reuben. And Reuben sold it to another guy, to a lokeach. So, but it's still written in Reuben's name. So since it's written in Reuben's name, Reuben can forgive the loan. But if he does that, since he caused indirect damage to Lokeach, he has to pay the, he has to pay him. You were mochad loan, fine, but you have to pay, you have to pay. You sold the Lokeach the rights to collect $100, and now you're mochad the money, you owe the Lokeach the $100. That's the one who says you chayef the damage. Yesterday, we just said, it's mochad, and even the heir can be mochad. But the one who says you're chayef for indirect damages says you'd have to pay for it. Sure, you can be mochad, so the lobby doesn't have to pay. The lobby doesn't have to pay. The guy who borrowed the money doesn't have to pay. But the one who was mochalim, the, the, the malva, who is technically owed the money by the lobby until he forgives it, now has to pay the lokeach. The don has to pay what it's really worth, the, the face value of the loan. Man, the the one who says, no, you're not high for indirect damages. I didn't physically do anything to you. Just indirectly, I was mochalim the loan. I was mochalim the loan. All he can collect is the value of the piece of paper. What did he sell the guy? The Malva sold the Lokeach, this IOU. Okay, the IOU, you can keep the paper. That's about what it's worth, right? There was a Misa. The copy of Rav from Laravashi. Ravashi, according to Rashi, different ways learns. Ravashi learns that the, there was a din in front of Ravashi. Ravashi was the, uh, was the judge. And Raphram brought all kinds of proofs, and he proven proofs, and then they did collect it. The Agbibe, and he collected with the key Kishura Latsalmi, like a beam for making drawings on or making uh, moldings, things like that, meaning a very smooth, expensive beam. Meaning he collected, if, if the Malva was Mochel, the whole loan, $100, and now there was a fight, what does the Malva owe the Lokech, the purchaser? Does he just own the the cause of the price of the paper, as we said, if you don't done, then the guy he says no. He brought proofs and shows him he has he has to pay for the whole thing. He owes him the hundred hours and in good value, meaning if he pays him in in not in cash, he's got to pay like the best property you can get, which is like you know good timber that's smooth and that's uh, fit for making moldings or drawings on. Point is, is that he owes that you are hive since it's in you. How could you 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 can make a loan because loan says. That Shimon is high of Reuben, $100. Okay, so Reuben says to Shimon, I'm you the loan. You could do that, even though he sold it to somebody else. Technically, by today's laws, maybe you'd say, in common law, maybe say, yeah, he has no right to, he has no right to do it. But if he did it, it's done. So what does he owe him now? What does the Malva owe the Lokeach? Does he owe him the full value of his loss because it was an indirect damage? Or do you say, no, since it was indirect, he owes him nothing but the paper that it's written on? A man has two obligations to pay. His wife, let's say he divorced his wife, he has to pay the ksuba, and he has an outstanding creditor. 
he has two things in his possession. He has a piece of land and he has cash. So so you settle the loan of the Balchov with money because that's what, what did the Balchov do? The Balchov lent to money. Now it's guaranteed with Karka that he has since it's written in Ishtar. He has, a, he has collateral in there. It's guaranteed he has a lien on the property, but he lent him money, he expects to get back money. So the Balchov must give him Isha must give him Ara. As if he doesn't have enough cash for both, he gives the Balchov the cash, and the woman, his wife, he pays off with land because she never really gave him cash to begin with. She was just relying on getting paid to the Ksuba. So that's guaranteed by the land. Each one weren't what he's expected. Rashi says, this one lent, this guy lent him money and he expects to get back money. And this one, the wife, was relying not on the cash because when you get married, you don't think the cash that you have at the time of marriage is going to be around. You know, when the times to get divorced, when the marriage is over, was, it, she was relied on the karka that he would have. So you do it that way. If he has cash and he doesn't have enough cash to pay them both, give the balchov the cash and give the woman the the karka. Let's say, though, he got married on the same day that he got married, he had a shtarchov, same day. And he only has one piece of land. It's only good enough for one. You give it to the Bachov. Why? In other words, one of them is going to get stiffed over here. The Bachov or the wife. Which one do you stiff? You stiff the wife. Why? Even though if you stiff the wife, there's going to be a feeling among women. Why should we get married? I'm not going to rely on the Ksub anyway. But generally, that's that idea of China that we mentioned the other day, it's mentioned throughout Shas, uh, falls aside against the idea that a woman still would want to get married. More than a man wants to get married, a woman doesn't want to be alone, especially in those days. So therefore, uh, I so wanted to just stiff, so stiff the Balchov. If you stiff the Balchov, if there's a rule that you've stiffed the Balchov, people won't lend money. That's called, you'll lock the door in front of, you'll lock the uh, loan department in front of uh, poor people, people who need to borrow money if, the Malva knows that, well, if the guy's got an obligation to pay Ksuba and pay a Balchov, he's going to pay the Ksuba, and I'm not going to get paid. I'm not lending anybody money. So therefore, better to lend them, better pay back the Balchov and not the woman. Only a popular Chama. Chama, is it true? Vadai, is it true this that you said in the name of Haiman Damascus? A man is owed cash. He's owed money. This Layar, he's got some land. And the Balchov comes with Katavamine. And the uh, Balchov says, okay, either give me the cash or give me, my, or give me the property. But Amalani said, Zil shkol me'ara. And he says, okay, go take the loan from the land. I don't have any cash. Go take it from my land. Aminale, we tell this lova, this uh, the debtor, Aminale, Zil zavanat. No, you go sell it by IC Havle. We tell the, the debtor, you can't tell the creditor, go take the land and sell it, but uh, you sell it and give him the cash. Is it true that you said that? Amalei lo. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. The creditor knows that his loan is backed up by the karka. If there's no cash, you should take the karka. You say you seem to say that we we told the lova that lova you have to sell the land and pay him in cash. He says no, I never said that. So Emily Gufadov the what was the story? I understood that you had, he had to convert the land into cash. Amalei, here's what happened. Tolamos above the man had cash. The Lova had cash. But he said the cash that he has belongs to Clyde over here or uh, Dylan, whatever. It belonged to the guy. And therefore, he said, I can't take it. The guy will kill me, right? It belongs to the guy. 
So he said that Mo's Hayolo, the fraud, Mo made bang to the guy. So that wasn't nice. He lied about it. So, yeah, the, I, I'm holding some money. Uh, uh, you know, Dylan gave me some money to hold for him, right? Whatever, you understand? So it's the guy's money. I can't give you that money. It's not my money. Money. He was lying. He was lying. The lover lied. In other words, what, when was the store? Normally, if the Balchov comes to collect and there's no cash, he takes the karka and he deals with it. So he said to him, Rapapa said to Ham, is it true that you said that in a case like that, the Balchov can force the lover, the court will force the lover to sell his own land to pay off the guy in cash? He says, no, I never said that. What happened was the story was here that the guy lied, the lover lied, he had cash, but he said it belongs to a guy. Who was the Shlogov and he acted improperly with and therefore we told him also, you have to sell your land. You don't have any cash. We know that he was lying. So you don't want to give that cash. So therefore, we told him you have to sell your land. But normally, the Bachov could just take the land and that's good enough. You hold that paying back a loan is a mitzvah. It's not simply you owe the money, but uh, you borrowed the money legitimately. You didn't steal it. Now you can't pay. That happens sometimes, you know, among the Jews, right? They borrow money and they say they'll pay it back. And they don't have the money to pay it back, but it's a mitzvah to pay it back. And because it's a mitzvah to pay it back, we don't force orphans, young orphans, to pay back their deceased father's loans because they're not high of a mitzvah. It's a mitzvah to pay it back. Not high of a mitzvah. So he says, according to you, that it's, uh, it's a mitzvah. Omar, let's say he says, nichali, lo nichali I don't want to do a mitzvah. So I, I don't want to do the mitzvah. I'm not going to pay it back. It's a mitzvah, right? It's a, what's the obligation to pay back? That it's a mitzvah. No, God, the mitzvah. So I, I didn't do every other mitzvah. I don't want to do that mitzvah. My, what would you say there? I'm a lay. Tanini, we learn. When a person is over on a lav, on a low saseh, medvarm, what do you do? You give malchus. Medvarm, amor and mitzvah, low saseh. By a low saseh, he's over to low saseh, you give him malchus, you give him lashes. About mitzvah saseh, but a mitzvah aseh, that you have to do kagom shomlo asay sukkah veinosa lula veinosa mitzvahs of the day right next week we have to get our sukkah ready get a lula I don't want to do it what do you do you beat him you beat him until he's dead because he still has the opportunity mitzvahs makanosah takes enough show if if sukkah hasn't happened yet it's in, we're going into sukkahs and he has the opportunity to do these mitzvahs of sukkah and lula and he doesn't want to do it you beat him you, there's no limit not just forty miles you go before he was over on the on the assay, you beat him. So don't tell me it's a mitzvah. You have to do the mitzvah. Rashi says here, interesting. He quotes more about Messiah. Look at Rashi on Amidala, four lines from the bottom of Rashi. mitzvah, mitzvah and to confirm that his words and to make his words truthful. Because when he borrowed money, what did he say? I'm going to pay it back, right? Well, your word is your word. Yosemite says hin sedek. What does hin sedek mean? You should have an honest measure, right? Hin is a measure. You should have honest measures. Don't cheat, you know, with weights and scales and things like that, you know. Um, don't cheat. Says the chsib hin sedek and we darshan shelcha shehei hein shelcha sedek v'lav shelcha sedek. Hin is really a measure. It's a kind of a measure. But the darshan hin your hein when you say yes, that should be truthful. That should be righteous. V'lav shelcha sedek when you say yes and no, it should mean something. Meaning, in other words, a word should be a word. Should be truthful, not like. Not like uh, it used to be. Not like it used to be. Today, everybody's word is, is valid. We accept everybody's word. Sarah Sameh Tshuva. Everybody uh, did Tshuva already. And now everybody's <laughs> word is going to be a valid word. Uh, All right. We're at the top line on Amadeus. Now, boy, I mean, a, I'm 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 a,
A man gives his wife a get, as we mentioned this idea before about delayed, the things that are delayed. Let's say he says, here's your get, but I only want it to be valid 30 days from now. We're still married. Here's your get, and it should be chal 30 days later. Why would he do that? Whatever the circumstances were. And she left the get there for the whole time, stayed there for 30 days, and she put it on the side of the Rosh Hashanah. What does it mean, Rosh Hashanah? Rosh is a public domain. However, when people want to make deals and confirm things, so they go on the side there, like a simtah, we meant like a simtah like that, and she left it over there. Is that like a private domain? And therefore, 30 days later, it's like she can make a Kenyan there. It's like it's still there. It's like in her Rishus. You know, if you throw, if you t- if you tell a wife, uh, here's your get, and he, th- and, she, and he throws it into her own property, something that he didn't own the property, that's valid. So here too, she left it there. Now, no, she's not, she's not divorced. Why? Because that's like a public domain. The Rabbi Shmuel, we had the other day, Rabbi Shmuel said, remember the Machlux of Tarfin or Bekiva, if a man died and left, um, left movable, uh, let's say, produce, fruits, right? Fruits and vegetables, whatever. And uh, who gets them? Who gets them? So we said, if a man died and he left, pay resolution. Whoever wants to get him, he had Yorshim, he had a Balchov, he had a Ksuba to pay. Whoever wants to get them, gets them. That's from Tarfin's Shita, right? Uh, uh, first, doesn't whoever wants to get him, get him. Um, if the wife took him more than a ksuba, who do you give it back to? You give it to the kosher shaban, whatever. But everybody can get them. But Kiva said no. Zamrachim. Then it goes to the orshim, and that's it. But when Rav Tarfin said, whoever wants to grab a grab, where is it? Where are those fruits? So Rabbi Shmuel said on the top of pay dollar Mabes that they're in the rishus rabim, so they're not in any uh, anybody's domain. But if it's in a simta like the state of shusharabim, no. And Bilkin says even even a simta also uh, you can it, it, you can anybody wants to can claim them. So because it's like Rosh Hashanah. See here he says also if you left them at Seder Rosh Hashanah, it's not in any it's not in her Rosh The the gets only chal thirty days from now. Thirty days later, it's not in her Rosh It's like in Rosh Hashanah. So he says ain't a megaresh. He answered him. He said no, she's not divorced. The Rabbi Shmuel, the Rabbi Shmuel, the Rabbi who should suburb Menachem Shesarabim. When can anybody claim those fruits? Anybody, the Yorshim or the Balchov or the, or the Isha, the for the the the, the former wife, um, when they're in Shesarabim, so they don't belong to anybody. But see, the Shesarabim, Shesarabim, they'll be the side of Shesarabim. Presumably, it's like Shesarabim. So therefore, if you give her a get, and you say it's only chal thirty days, not not thirty days from now, it's chal l'mafreya to now. It's chal l'mafreya to now because it's chal l'mafreya to now. Well, now. Now, now she got it. it. Was in her hand. No, we don't mean that. We're saying that it's it's that thirty days from now it should be chal. And in thirty days, it was inside of Shisharabim. Says inside of Shisharabim is like Shisharabim, and therefore she's not divorced. The Gemara she should be divorced. We said if you pull the uh, you know pull make a mashicha on the para, and you only acquire it after thirty days, you require it. Even if at that point it's in a meadow, it's in a it's in a swamp, it's in a semi-private area, uh, it's it's good enough. Even if it's not really in his rishus, you still acquire my love. Isn't that the same? It's all like a semi-private area, and therefore it's like it's in his rishus. And the same thing with the woman; it should be like in her rishus if it's in Siddur You can argue that the side of Shisharam is like Shisharam, and Agam is like a private domain. That's one way to learn. Economics, some said the other way, and that seems to be the halacha. 
she is divorced. If he says, I'm giving you a get, it should be Chalm 30 days. And 30 days from then, it was she she left it in the in the seat of Rishus Rabbim. She is divorced. From Rav Nachman's rule that we just said, Middle Rav Nachman. Rav Nachman just said that the case where you pull a para and you're showing the chayt quiet after 30 days and you acquired it, if you met us bagam, you, you, uh, that's like a private area. He acquires it. But see, the Rishus Rabbim, Kagam Dami, the heart of the side of Rishus Rabbim is like an Agam. It's not Rishus Rabbim, it's semi private. And therefore, she acquires her get just like the man acquires the para. Maybe she's not divorced because Rabbi Shmuel said that anybody can claim Paris and Rishus Rabbim, and the Tzidah Rishus Rabbim is like Rishus Rabbim. My love, Hain Rishus Rabbim, Hain Tzidah Rishus Rabbim. Isn't that the same thing? The side of Rishus Rabbim is like Rishus Rabbim, meaning nobody has any powers there to acquire it. You can't, you can't use the area itself as an acquisition point unless you lifted it up, unless you made some other cases. Look, Rishus Rabbim, Rabbi Shmuel's Allah is about the Rishus Rabbim. But the side of the Shisarabim is like an agam, it's like a semi-private area, and therefore you do acquire it. We had this uh, discussion about the para where back on uh, pay bays. Um, right, so he said, uh, so, so the Gemara over there said that when you acquire it, you acquire it from back, from now, right? Right? And then for sure it works because you're kind of me'achshav. The Gemara at this point is explaining it like even there because it's a semi-private area. Now let's understand something. We said, when do you make a shvua? When are you forced to make a shvua? You come to court. Could you swear, you know, you go into a regular court today, you go in, you put your hand up and you swear. But Minatari, you can't be forced to swear unless certain circumstances arise. For example, your motive of mixus, right? The guy says, you owe me $100. And I said, no, I only owe you 75 So you miss the 75 and the other 25 he has to swear. That's motive of mixus. Or if there's one aid against him, remember, you need two aid him. If two aid him come and say, I owe the $100, there's no sure. I got to pay. Two aid him is as strong as anything. Let's say there's one aid. So then I can be forced to make a shvua. Those are shvuas, though, right? However, the rabbis came along and said, there's many shvuas rabbanim. For example, let's say I deny the whole thing. You say I owe you $100. And I'm not motive mixed. I say, no, I don't owe you anything. I never borrowed any money from you. You're making up the story. So men are up to swear. Men are rabbanim. You have to swear. It's called shvua. It says, I have to do up to swear. There's other cases where the rabbis, where the rabbis said, you have to make a shvua. For example, partners. Well, how did the whole line go? The guy's in New York and he says, oh, he says to his partner, Yanko, I think I forgot this, to lock the safe. Uh, no, they're, they're, I'm sorry. I said they're, they're, they're both in Florida. And where did the Jews go? They go to Florida, right? And he says, back in, the, in Manhattan, I think I forgot to lock the safe before we came down to Florida. He says, what are you worried about? I'm here with you. Meaning, like, he was suspected, the partner. Well, who are you going to suspect? The partner of stealing something. So the rabbi said that partners could be made, could, could force one another to swear that they haven't stolen anything. Or somebody, your manager, you have a manager, you have a worker for you. And, you know, he feels uh, he's not paid enough. So he takes a little bit on the side, puts a little bit extra into his pocket. Those people who work for you, or sometimes as we'll see even your wife, uh, workers, a petrups and a guardian, uh, a partner, can be made to swear, even though there's no such shvur like that minatora. But the rabbi said, in order, because people like that are more ahead to, they said, okay, I, I'm entitled, right? I'm entitled, right? Not like, not like Harry Truman who returned the pencil 
you know, and paid for his own gas when he left the White House and drove back to Independence, Missouri, paid for the gas, for the gas out of his own pocket, not like today where they're given everything, right? And they take everything and they wind up millionaires, right? He lived on his uh, army pension. He didn't even have a pension from the uh, from the government. They didn't give him like today, you know, where you paid for life, all kinds of stuff. He lived on his army pension. We don't have people like that. Him, Abdullah, Begin, people who didn't wind up rich when they left, right? But people are more heter. So let's say a man set up his wife. Amoshe says, okay, you you run the store. Told her to run the store. She's the uh, shopkeeper. Oshima appoints her to be a guardian or a manager over the, you know, the administrator over his business. He can make her swear whatever he wants and make just swear that she didn't say anything. We'll see if it's a swear, it's technically, she, there's a shvua and a netter. The netter would be, you know, all oranges should be ushered to me forever if I've taken anything. You make the netter or basically a shvua, it's preferable to make a netter. But let's say the, the basic idea was is that he can force her to swear, even though there's no such shvua menatorah. Even on her spindle and on her dough, meaning even stuff in the house, she's sewing. Did you take some extra wool there? Maybe give it to your sister or my sister-in-law? Did you get even something like that? Now that's a difficult thing to live with. You're going to make your wife, did you take an extra roll from the freezer? Did you eat something extra? If you live that way, that's not good for a marriage, right? That doesn't uh, help relations. Rebles says, give me a miswear there. So the question over here is, remember, there's another kind of a shvur in the Torah, a gilgul shvur. Once he has, let's say, if the swear, it makes her swear the case of the sota, right? We learn over there the idea of Gilgushu. Once, technically, you don't have to swear on everything, only like we said, or where there's one aid against you. But once you're made to swear, we can make you can make other shwoos, we can roll over other shwoos on there too. So when Rablazer says he can even make her swear on the spindle, on a dough, you know, the household stuff that she would normally deal with in the kitchen. Um, does he mean Aide Gilgo Kamar? No, she just. You know, meaning once he has to swear, once she has to swear that she hasn't stole anything from the shop where she is the shopkeeper or the guardian or the administrator, so he can make a swear on the spindle also. Or no, even the chedfila. Hey, did you take anything? Did you take any extra dough? Did you steal an extra roll or an extra challah? Even there's what do you mean? So what did Reb Lezer say? Tashma, swear on a spindle on a thing. Nobody can live with a snake in a basket. In other words, that's impossible to live with. She's going to make her swear in every little thing that she didn't take anything. Yeah, if it's, if it means Reb Lezer said, you could ever make her swear. You know, even if she's not a guardian or a shopkeeper, you could always make her swear if she didn't take anything. So that makes sense that they said, how can you live with a person like that? Uh, so grounds for divorce. Eliyad Gilgul, what does she care? If she is the, she's swearing anyway that she she was the shopkeeper and, and or the administrator and she didn't take anything there, so she makes a shmur in the spindle also. What's the big deal? So the Amr saying, no, this still is a big deal. The Amr says, you can tell me, keep the Kadaika Basura You're so particular with me. You're even asking me if I took any extra dough or I took a little extra wool. I can't live with you. Rashi says, shows that you don't love me. That's what Rashi says. It shows that uh, uh, you don't love me. I can't live with that, right? It's like, you don't love or you don't trust me. I can't live with you in a case like that. So it's possible that even that maybe Rabbi Lezer only meant but not the So let's, we're still looking for a proof. Toshma, In the next mission, we're going to say that there are cases where even if he points her to be the administrator or the shopkeeper, she might say, wait a minute, you're going to make me swear every day that I didn't steal anything. So he tells her up front, he writes to her, no, you never have to, I'm not going to make you swear. I'm never going to make you swear. 
let's say he didn't potter her. He could potter her. He could absolve her of swearing, but he didn't. He didn't potter her. He set her up as a shopkeeper. Uh, he made her a guardian or administrator over his, over his uh, businesses. He can make her swear whenever he wants. Let's say he didn't do that. If he didn't set her up as a, a shopkeeper or a guardian, you can't make her swear whenever he wants. Can you just tell your wife, hey, swear to me that you haven't taken anything? No. It's only if he set her up as a, as a running his business. Even though he didn't set her up, meaning there's no Gilgeshua now because he, he didn't set her up as an apotropist or anything like that. He can make Every woman is to some degree a guardian over his assets. When he's not home, she's guarding it. Or she's an apotropist effectively on her spindle, on her dough, meaning on her household stuff. They said, no, no, you can't live with a person that way. But you see, because when he said the favorite, Blazer said, even though he didn't make her a uh, shopkeeper or a guardian, meaning in which case everybody agrees if made a shopkeeper, he can make her swear that she hasn't taken anything from the shop or his assets or his banking or whatever, still he can make her swear because she's effectively up to on the bill. So you see, he made her swear even, even in a case like that. Blazer says, we don't possibly have Blazer, but when the Chachamim say, that you, just say, you can make her swear if she's an apitrupus. If you make her swear as an apitrupus, you can also make her swear maybe Ayyidei Gilgeshvur, even though Gilgeshvur over here is not a Doraisa, because the whole Shvur is Rabbanan. The whole Shvur, I can make her swear as only Rabbanan. But the rabbis also said, once she swears on the businesses, she hasn't took anything from the shop or from her uh, the banking, whatever he put her in charge of, the administration, she can, he can also make her swear Ayyidei Gilgeshvur on the Pilchon Misasa. But the Chilla, Rabbi says you can even do that on the Pilchal Nisasa. You can make her swear in that even if there's no, she wasn't set up as a shopkeeper at all. Rabbi says you could. The Rabbi is saying, no, you cannot. You go like Rabbi. First of all, let's say he writes to her when he set her up as a businessman, as his businesswoman, as her administrator. He said to her, no, I'm never going to make you swear. Run the business. I guarantee I'm not, I'm not going to make you swear. You can't make her swear. Let's say, though, let's say they get divorced. If they get divorced, he has to give her ksuba, right? He has to make ksuba. Let's say then she dies. Who, who claims the ksuba? Her Yorsham. She has, let's say she has children, right? Or her father, whoever. So he could make her, he could make her. So when, when a woman comes like the ksuba, she normally has to swear that she hasn't been paid yet, that he didn't set any money aside. Now that they're divorced, he can make her see he can make, he can make her Yorsham swear. Because he said, I'm not gonna make you swear. But your Yorshim, who are coming to collect your ksuba, let's say we got divorced. Or let's say she sold her ksuba. Remember, we said the other day, let's say she sold her ksuba. Ksuba is worth $200, right? But it's possible it won't be collectible if she dies before the husband. So she sold it, let's say, for $75 to somebody. Now they got divorced, and the other guy's coming with the claim. I want the $200, right? Let's say she died or whatever, or he sold it, sold it to her. He sold, she sold it to somebody, right? She might be alive. She got divorced, right? She sold, when she was married, she sold it for $75 this, to Yankel. Now she got divorced, so she's entitled to the ksuba. But Yankel owns the ksuba. So Yankel's coming to collect the money. Can he make, can he make Yankel swear? Yes, because he said, I'm making you, I, I, I write into you that I won't make you, my wife, swear. But her Yorshim, her heirs who are coming to collect the ksuba, or her successors in this case, Abomishus, the guy that she sold the ksuba to, can make her swear. He can, he can make her them swear. Let's say he says neder shvua, either a neder like we said, I, you know, all the payers are also to me unless unless I took something or she swears she hasn't gotten anything. 
That is why I not only am not going to make you swear, but even your heirs will not swear or your successors. Nobody will have to swear. Then he writes that he has to fulfill that, even though normally her heir or her successor might be made to swear to collect Mitzvah, but he says he's wrote her. They won't have to swear. Avil Yorshav, let's say though he dies. Let's say though he dies. And now they're coming with a claim or his wife, the wife is coming with a claim on the Yorshav, on his Yorshav that she's entitled to her Mitzvah. Avil Yorshav must be an Osa because he says, I won't come with a claim. And as when, when for me, you don't have to make a Shrua, nor your heirs, nor your successors. But let's say he said, but the Yorshim, his Yorshim could make her swear. Avil Yorshav, his Yorshim, if he's if he's dead and they're coming to collect from his heirs, they could make her swear or her heirs or her successors. Let's say he writes the whole thing. You'll never have to make. I can't, I can't make a swear, Lord. But Yorshai, not my not my heirs, anybody who I've sold my assets to, anybody I've sold my claims to. Alecha, I, I will no no claim no you we will not make you swear by your shekh or nor your heirs nor your successors any you can't make her swear lo who below your nor it is your so nobody can be made to be nobody can be made to swear why because he said I won't make you swear I won't make your heirs swear I won't your successors swear not only that my heirs and my successors cannot force you to swear either because normally as we said when you collect the ksuba you could be made to swear if she normally, let's say, collects Iksuba, she can be made to swear that she hasn't been paid yet, especially from the Yorsham, right? But then we're talking about when it comes up Yorsham, she has to be made to swear that she doesn't have any uh, claim. Otherwise, she has a claim. How, how could you say something that was done by her Yorsham? How can you say to apply his word to her Yorsham? Because he put that in the contract. He put that right. in the contract. But, but he has no way of, there's no right to do that. Well, he has a right to do it because he said, I said, he said, I, I will even I, I will allow you to collect the ksuba without having to make a shvua. Not only that, if you die, I will not, I will not, I'm committing myself. I make a commitment that if your children have to collect the ksuba, for example, if uh, we get divorced and he has an obligation, if she dies before they're divorced, then there's no ksuba to pay. But let's say they got divorced and then she died. So her yorshim, her, her heirs are coming to collect the ksuba, whoever her heirs are, children or father or whatever, Coming to elect the they could say, you know, swear that you haven't been paid. Maybe, maybe some money was set aside. I don't know. Maybe uh, there was something that she took. No, yet you're made to swear. He committed to that. Well, committed to whoever. Pardon? On the other side, how can he commit his uh, his children? Yeah, because he could say that because it's all his money. It's his money up front. So he says his money. His kids have an obligation to pay the uh, the ksuba. The ksuba, right? If if he, if a man dies. So she's she's entitled to so who's she collecting it from? His heirs. His heirs get the money the second that he dies, it automatically goes into their hands. But they have they have an obligation to pay the ksuba. They have a first the, the ksuba is the first lien before the orshim. So when they collect the ksuba, when you collect from the from Yorsham, Yorsham may not know. Maybe he left her already a check. He left her a cashier's check, you know, uh, in the safe, or he'd given it to her for it. So normally. Uh, she has to swear that she hasn't been paid and nothing not paid. For example, we're going to see in tomorrow's Gemara. Let's say she admits part of the ksuba has been paid. Ksuba is $200 and he gave her an advance of $50. So, and she admits it. She says, I only have to collect $150. I already got $50. She has to swear now. Because once she's impaired the ksuba, she's made it, you know, it's not a real good document anymore. Document doesn't stand on its own. It stands on its own normally uh, if she swears. If she swears or 
or her successors or her heirs swear that they haven't been paid. But if he says, I'm going to let you collect it, no questions asked. No questions. I'm not going to make you swear. I'm going to make it real easy for you. He committed to that. Now, one of the things that she has to, uh, you know, that what, what's the idea of here? Swear that she didn't take any money on the side, right? That she hasn't been paid from on the side. A woman might be more heter. For example, as soon as he dies, she has to bury him. She has to pay for the tachrichim and the kever and the chaver kedisha and the whalers and all that's, you know, all that goes involved in a, in a funeral. So let's say um, she went after the, after the, after the burial, halchami kever balo, she went from, right from the funeral, the base of the to her father's house. In other words, she wasn't, she, she didn't even go home anymore. So nobody could say you took something from the house afterwards that, you know, fights break out, believe me, over these things of uh, who took what after, after death, you know, kids took this, who death, who got it, you know, all that kind of stuff, right? So she went straight to her father's house, or she went back to her father-in-law's house, meaning where they lived when they were married, but she wasn't made a guardian. She just stayed in her room and she didn't take anything. Then they can't make her swear. In other words, all this, his commitment is during his lifetime, right? While they're married, you know, when you're, as soon as I die, uh, I'm, you can collect the ksuba, your successors or your heirs, and no, you don't, you could do it without a shvua. However, let's say postmortem after death, let's say she went back to the house and she started running the business or running the household, then they could say, wait a minute, it's possible that, you know, now you've taken something, all that our father absolved you when it was his rishus, right? When it was his, when he owned everything, he absolved you, you can collect your ksuba without making any, without having to swear. But now after death, who owns all that stuff? The Orshim, right? The Orshim. Now that, that, uh, that it only applies till death, after death or after the burial doesn't apply anymore. Now it belongs to them. They made, they made no such commitment. So she went home to her father's house. But she, she wasn't made to be the administrator over anything. And the Orshim means they can't make her swear because they have to fulfill the father's commitment. The of the but let's say she was made the guardian now, of course, the Orshim. Then the Orshamash being on Saul Lawson, they could say, listen, okay, what took place before when our father was alive, the father absolved you of having to make any shvua to collect your ksuba. However, going forward, it belongs to us. Now you know how to run the household, you know how to run the business there, whatever. So you're, we're, we're employing you, so to speak. But going forward, we could make you swear because you're you're running our business for us. So then they can make a swear on the Asid meeting on anything took place after, after death. Meaning, or after the funeral, after really the funeral, right? Um, but they can't make her swear what took place. Anything that took place during the father's lifetime, he absolved her of making a shvur there. So even the, the children, and he absolved her, and he absolved her uh, that her his children and successors also would not be able to make her swear. But that's only on everything that took place until death or until the funeral, because she did have to spend some money on the on the funeral, right? So there. You know, it's not just till death, it's till the funeral itself. But after the funeral, uh, if, if, if she's out of the picture, then there's nothing to talk about. But if she still went back home and is still continuing to run the business, to run the farm, whatever she was doing, running everything else. So at that point, the Orsham owned everything. So the Orsham could make her swear. Listen, going forward from this day on, if you, we could make you swear because now you're working for us. You're like a hired hand and we should be made, uh, made to make you swear. All right, so... What, what's the shvua talking about? When we say, we're speaking about the shvua the Gemara is going to say, 
but she was made an apitropus. She was made apitropus, but not stam on anything else. Rashi says in Pagan Miksuba, those Mishwas apitropus, in there she made a chamas. Avalim Pagan Subas, the Thomas is a Pagan Sessa, Lo Tipel Bishwa, Lo Nifter Miosishwa. In other words, he, what we're talking about over here is he said you're not going to have to make a shvua uh, as as the running the business as a, as the guardian or the administrator of my business. You won't have to make a shvua about that. But other things she might have to make a shvua if in in other circumstances, like the mission is going to say tomorrow that if she admits that fifty dollars was paid out of the two hundred dollars, that means she herself said that this document doesn't really not really hundred percent true. The document says you owe me two hundred dollars. Not true. You only owe me one hundred and fifty. So she herself has impaired the power of that ksuba, then she would have to make a shvua about that. He only absolves her making shvuas relating to running the household, running the business, taking it, make sure that she didn't take anything. Of course, it's not good to make your wife make a shvua that does not enhance the uh, the, the uh, intimacy of their marriage. All right, so uh, tomorrow's daf is daf pei zayin. Shabbos daf is on pei zayin. That whole daf will be on the uh, podcast and on... Um, on uh, Sunday, Mirza Shem will pick it up at the same time, five o'clock from Peiches. Peiches, the la- actually, the last three words on Peizan Beis Amra Papa. That's where we'll start from on Sunday morning. Shabbat Shalom to everybody. Kol Tov, Mark Simitad. Shabbat Shalom.